When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on compromising when family members don't want to travel for weddings, tipping on to-go orders, saying it was nice to meet you out of habit, even when it's not nice to meet somebody, and responding properly when someone you know goes through something very difficult or scary. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, our question of the week is about sending an RSVP for one person in a couple, but not both. Plus your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on, you guessed it, thank you notes. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning, and I have to wish you a happy solstice, Cousin Lizzie. Uh, that was yesterday, Cousin Dan. <laughs> it was, it was. But I know but it's one of your favorites. I know it's one of your favorites. <laughs> it so is. Well, yeah, and, and yay for the happy solstice wishes. I'm glad we got to connect on solstice. But bummer, because we also got the news on solstice that, that you know, due to safety precautions, our family was canceling our post-family gathering that everyone was looking forward to. So I am I am very sad that when this lands, I will not have seen your your shining face and Pooja and the girls shining faces on day after Christmas, Boxing Day. Um, no, but I, I feel like it was pro- it was the right call. There were enough family members that were getting worried and, and just feeling, you know, our first case in, of Omicron in Vermont showed up that it was just probably a good idea with all these families coming from different places to not even go for the outdoor gathering. It had already been uh, expanded in the sense that the nature of the event had been changed some to accommodate yep. different people's safety levels and comfort. And yep. I wasn't 100% surprised when I got the note from your mother. And no. I wanted to tell our audience that for me, it was an awesome etiquette moment. Because yep. I was instantly thinking about the question we did about rain checks a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And I found myself in the position of sort of cheekily asking your mother for a rain check by way of saying... Did you respond saying, to her? I did. Okay. Also, awesome etiquette moment. I was thinking to myself, 
This is the host guest dance. I've just heard from the host. Technically, there's nothing I have to send back, but it would be nice just to touch base with her and let her know that maybe however she's feeling about it, it landed well and that, that I'm I'm there for her. Can we dive into that moment for a second? Because when I talked to Trish Post on the phone, she was very bummed that she hadn't. So it must have been before you talked to her, but she hadn't heard from anybody back about the party being canceled. And oh, I was, I'm so glad I did it. I'm so glad you did, too, because I was in the midst of trying to awesome etiquette her and be like you know mom i i totally understand like validate the feelings but then say you know to you got to understand you used an electronic invitation sometimes mm-hmm. people look at those as just like just just less of a deal and i know that a lot of people don't always respond when they get notifications from an electronic communication invitation so a, a, an evite or something like that i think she used paperless post but i think dan you bring up a really great point of thinking about that host guest dance and my mother w- was clearly feeling the lack of response yeah. and i feel like we should really when we're talking about digital invitations and even text messaged invitations that it's it's probably on us to to really be hammering home the point of a response really should happen here. You know, even though these are casual, these are ways we're really used to communicating and often ways we communicate where we don't always hear from someone back necessarily, mm-hmm. that it's still really important. It makes a difference to the host, at least to my mother in this case. <laughs> so I, I bet your call was really or your, your note to her was really appreciated. So thank you for doing that. Well, the, the 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 smaller ball etiquette question that came up was, is this going to get back to her? And I had to do the thing where I, I didn't just read the email, but I popped it open to see who the return, who the reply okay, would go got, to. Yeah, because it comes through the service. Yeah. And it was directly to your mother. So that, that was a good feature that made it much easier. I could just send her a note. It didn't go to everybody. It just went to her. Okay. Good. And it was also the nature of the event a little bit. I think oftentimes... That kind of invitation is for maybe a bigger event. You're managing a much larger group. <laughs> yeah, but this is this is a, a family big, Christmas huge. gathering, yeah. and no, yeah. it made perfect sense that you would use that mechanism. But the the event itself felt special enough to me that I thought the host. I, I didn't know how your mother would be feeling about it, but I. I guess that she probably had different feelings about it. And I wanted to let her know that it was that we were also bummed and also understood and also were appreciative of the care that she was taking with everybody. I was proud of my parents. I think they they really wanted this party to happen. This was not for lack of like, you know, enthusiasm about the party. I think sometimes it's a little bit of a relief when the thing gets canceled. If you, you know, you haven't baked your cookies yet or you, this was the day you were really exhausted. It was going to take a lot to get you to that thing or, you know, this wasn't an escape. Yeah, this hatch. wasn't an escape hatch. <laughs> and, um, and I, I know I had been really looking forward to it. I mean, I was like requesting you bring decorations of a special kind to this party. Like, I was really excited to see all the little cousin kids together again. Not us, but the generation yeah. below. Try to cement some of those bonds. You know, I know I know that like my branch yeah. of the family, you guys all live so close together. Our kids don't get to see your kids that much. And so it was going to be really cool. And also, I loved the idea of everyone coming to my folks' house in Charlotte. And we got snow on the ground. And there's a nice little sledding hill plus the driveway, both 
provide sledding options and you know marshmallows and s'mores and hot cocoa and hot yeah. cider and- it was just sounding like like exactly the kind of pickup and it, it felt like the idea of an outdoor outdoor with a little bit of indoor to go in to use the bathroom or things like that or grab some food it was feeling like the right thing and just the the news in Vermont just kind of kept getting worse in terms of what what's going on here, yeah. which is is really sad. And we certainly our our well wishes are going out to families and friends who are experiencing the tougher part of this. But I was both proud of my parents for taking that initiative as hosts to cancel, and at the same time, I was really really sad. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm gonna miss seeing you next week because maybe we can get together and go sledding during our little week off in between. <laughs> There are other ways to get hot cocoa and hot cider, yes. This is true. But I know that we are not yet on vacation. In fact, this is kind of our last hurrah before we take off and start becoming very merry little elves in our lives. Um, I still have quite a lot of, like, candy to make and things like that. But um, I know, I know. Still, Still going, still going. I've still got three days. And because it's not the end of our work week yet, shall we? do our podcast and get to some questions let's do it awesome etiquette gets support from Storyworth. there are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing from hilarious to heartfelt tear jerking to plot twisting mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy just in time for mother's day we here at awesome etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Program it into your phone. 
Or you can reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst, I-N-S-T. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your social media posts so that we know you want your question on the show. Our first question this week is a tough one called Wedding Travel Woes. Good morning. My name is Kendra. I am a longtime fan of your great-great-grandmother's advice. How odd it must be to hear that. And a recent fan of the (laughs) podcast. I am currently planning a wedding, and I am facing a dilemma. Well, congratulations on the wedding. The wedding is in June 2022 in Florida. Not for a destination, but because I grew up there, and my family lives in or near the state, and they are paying for it. My future grandmother-in-law insists that she cannot travel to Florida from Arizona for our wedding. Not for the cost, we offered to pay, but for convenience. It hurts me because she is going to her granddaughter's wedding in September and traveling to Washington State for the event. As a result, the relationship is already off to a tough start. To make matters worse, she keeps saying we need to host another, smaller reception in Arizona for those who can't travel and asking us for details. We cannot afford a second reception. This is complicated in itself, but I would like to propose a solution to keep everyone happy. I thought of a compromise. Perhaps she could host the bridal shower in Arizona for other guests that are unavailable to travel. How do we bring this up to her? Can we ask her to host? And if not, how can we include her without spending money we don't have? Please let me know if you have a solution. Thank you for all that you do. Sincerely, Kendra C. Kendra, congratulations on your upcoming wedding. You are in a tough spot, and that's a tough thing to feel, I think, when you're getting married. You want it to be that that joyous, everybody really coming together uh, feeling, and especially when a grandparent, who's usually a pretty beloved figure in a family, says they're not going to make it because of convenience. It can be a hard pill to swallow. That's a tough one. But at the same time, I think we always no matter what event we are throwing, have to recognize that our guests, what we're doing is we're asking them if they'd like to come to something. And if they say they can't or they don't want to, it's too complicated for them. That's a part of, I think, the host guest dance is then respecting their decision and understanding that, okay, I, I would like them to make a different decision, but they're not. And there's not much that you can do about that. I like your idea of uh, seeing if she'd like to host a shower. I'm wondering, are you two going to maybe travel to it for the shower? And I'm thinking Jack and Jill here just because it's your fiance's grandmother. Uh, and, And it doesn't have to be. Certainly a fiance's grandmother could host something for their incoming family member. But it's, I I think, worthwhile to kind of figure out what you're willing to do if she says yes to something like that. If you're not, for instance, flying and traveling at this time, it might be a little more complicated if she's then not comfortable with Zoom. So you got to kind of determine what what would really happen if if she were to say yes to that particular bridal shower in Arizona, just so that you're prepared. But I do think offering something like that is okay. Dan, for me, I think... One of the tough parts about this is communicating the fact that the second reception isn't going to happen. And 
it might be that you two are thinking about it a little differently. You might want to ask grandma what it is that she's in like imagining for, you know, don't say anticipating, don't say expecting, but imagining for a second reception. Cause sometimes they're as simple as a, a dinner gathering, you know, with casual buffet food. And it's really just a chance to be with the couple and get those folks who couldn't make the trip to be with the couple. And I think that it it can sometimes sound like it's going to be the whole shebang all over again. And it really doesn't have to be. It could be very, very simple, casual. Um, you could do an afternoon tea. You could do just a cocktail party style with heavy hors d'oeuvres, that kind of thing. So I wouldn't kick grandma's idea out just yet. But I would really evaluate whether or not it's something that can happen either financially or another Another thing to do is to say, Grandma, is that something you'd be interested in in hosting and, and putting together for us? Um, you mentioned cost being one of the issues. So I think there's still some teasing out of that second reception idea that could happen and could actually work out in a way that would work for you. If it's not, if you're not getting that out of it, if it's she's not going to pay and she wants it to be a big deal and all of that, I think then you and potentially even your fiance's parents need to help to make it clear to grandma that that's financially not a viable option and that while you really appreciate the suggestion, it's not something you can entertain. Then I think you could move to the suggestion of doing a bridal shower or talking with grandma about some ways that she might be able to participate. Um, is it that she chooses? is a particular reading that gets read at the ceremony, or maybe she records a toast for you for the reception at the wedding Ooh. and you can play that, you know, I mean, there's lots of great things we can do with video now and, and also with streaming and that sort of stuff. I know some folks, rather than just having an open stream live stream of the wedding, it'll be that they actually touch base with a few key people who couldn't make it throughout the wedding. And those people give a speech or just, even if it's not to the whole group, uh, the whole wedding, you know, group that they are able to find a moment with just the couple kind of off to the side and, and they get that close connection moment with them. So lo lots of different ways to make this work. Um, but I think it, it's, it's really hard when it's a particular family member that you'd really like to have there and you see them going to other weddings, but not yours. I, I want to sympathize with that, but don't let that stop you from moving forward with figuring out a plan. Not that it sounded like it was going to. It's just <laughs> that's the, the good advice out there, you know. <laughs> Lizzie Post, I called this a difficult question, and I'm doing my best not to jump in because the more I hear you talk, the less difficult it feels to me. And oh, that's good. <laughs> no, I, 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 th I think part of it was um, I, I sensed an emotional difficulty, just a, a hurt around it, it not feeling like grandma wants to be there. So that's a yeah. tough place to start from. And then I also I, – I was – seeing some etiquette hiccups that as I heard you talk, I felt like they were less problematic than they felt to me when I first read the question. Okay. I was thinking about the awkwardness of asking someone to host a shower for you and thinking yeah. of it as a real <laughs> etiquette hurdle, if that makes yeah. any sense that, Hey, wouldn't it be great if you threw a party for me that involved everyone getting me gifts? And at the same <laughs> time, I know that the reality of those types of parties is that they're oftentimes discussed with care, but more freely among a small group of people who are responsible yeah. for putting them on, being the guest of honor. And it's precisely the the close relationship of those people that allows them to negotiate what could feel like a potentially fraught etiquette situation of 
a guest having preferences or maybe even a guest of honor, I mean, having preferences or even an idea about who would be a good host. And there is such an opportunity here that I think that you could open that discussion up and it would depend more on how you approached it than Mm -hmm. the particular etiquette concerns that I had coming in. And as I listened to you talk, it felt so natural. And I was thinking to myself, of course, there are lots of opportunities here. And as long as it doesn't feel like a negotiation, as long as people don't approach it feeling like they're owed things, like it's a tit for tat. Oh, you couldn't make this, so maybe you could do this. Or, oh, no, but we're already doing this, so we'd rather not do that. That it's it's more that each thing is approached on its own with the potential that it has to facilitate the family coming together. And I hadn't even thought about the idea of continuing to tease out the reception idea that might be easier than the shower. It might be that... Honestly, it might really be. And it's already the thing grandma's interested in. Win, win, win. (laughs) And it might not work out. It might be that in the end, it doesn't work out for there to be events in Arizona, that that's just too much for Kendra and her partner to, to commit to or to organize at this point. And... I also appreciated your idea that it's okay to say no also, that yeah. it's 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 okay to say, no, we can't host a reception in your city. And mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be because you couldn't make it to our wedding or the two aren't equal enough that I'd be willing to do that. It can just stand on its own as a no. And that's okay also. Kendra, we really hope that despite this one hiccup, the rest of your planning for your wedding in June goes smoothly and that you have a fabulous day and feel truly celebrated and loved. My, that was fun, wasn't it? Doing things together is fun. It can be in your family, too. Whether it's seeing movies, as this family does, or working and playing together in other ways, as other families do. When everyone does his regular job and helps out by doing extra work, then things go better for the whole family, don't they? Our next question is indeed a short and sweet tipping question. It begins and ends. Should you tip if you order ahead and pick up your food to go? Tracy. Well, cuz. <laughs> Tracy, thank you so much for the question. Lizzie Post, I'm going to pull back the curtain just a little bit and read the show notes that I had here that were so confusing to you. You said to me, I don't know if we're going to agree on this one. <laughs> bullet one, cuz. What's bullet one? <laughs> so I, I've got to do all three and then I'll tease out some details. So <laughs> okay. should you tip if you order ahead and pick up your food to go? My bullets went in this order. One, yes. Two, you don't have to. And three, suggested 10%. And I can understand how that would be confusing. Yes, you don't have to. We suggest 10%. But it really is the way the thoughts appear in my mind. I, I, I think to myself, you don't really have to. It's not an obligation. Uh, there is no expectation that you tip for pickup or takeout service the way there is for sit-down table service, even if it's from the same restaurant. Yep. At the same time, I love that the first thought in my mind is... Is yes, you tip. Yes, I'd love to tip a little bit because that's that generous, gracious um, <laughs> part of me, giving part of me that I want to engage if I am going to tip. And it's likely I'm going to tip a little something. 
And Mm -hmm. it's not going to be that full 15 to 20 percent, usually 20 percent, including tax rounded up that that would be a common practice for me. For sit down. So yeah. I, I, so I really remind myself like that. Yes, while I am feeling inspired to do this, I, I really don't have to. It's not an expectation. I don't have to go that far. And that leads me to the third thought of well, what is a good amount? Mm-hmm. And I think ten percent is a nice place to start from. And unlike the twenty percent for sit down service, and I'm getting down into the weeds here. I don't think to myself, oh, I'll do it on the the. the absolute full amount on the total and I'll round up a little bit from there. I'm thinking more about something that gets me to around 10% and it could come in a little more. It could come in a little less and (laughs) I'm not going to worry too, too much about it. I like to leave a little something and that's a good jumping off point. Because it was really funny. I I had this moment where I read your 10% and my response to those bullet points, audience, just so you know, was question mark, question mark, question mark. In our book, we, we suggest a couple of dollars for takeout orders or we say it's discretionary. And the funny thing is, is that I was thinking about my takeout order last night where I left a couple of dollars on the on the tip line. And I realized just sitting here this morning that my couple of dollars was actually 10% of the bill, (laughs) including tax. And so I was laughing at myself where 10%, I think because I'm used to thinking of that 15 and 20 as bigger numbers, um, just just am. I, I think of that sit down, you know, being treated to service like that for a restaurant as like, yeah, bigger in my mind. It's just like so affirming like yeah bigger tip bigger tip more money bigger tip (laughs) and often you know i'm dining out with other people and so it's a bigger bill and so i'm thinking more money and when i saw the 10 percent, i was like that's huge and then when i actually did the math i was like that's not so huge that's about what i actually average leave we just don't typically say it that way and so it was it was kind of good for me to have that now the association that actually 10 percent is a pretty good number to run with but it is it is discretionary tipping i because think that I know very few people who I I know they exist. It's true they do exist, but I know I know very few people myself who wouldn't leave at the very least a dollar on a takeout order. You know, and mm-hmm. and some it's just their it's just how they do it. It's like dollar for takeout, dollar for takeout. But I know a lot of people, especially during this pandemic, given what it's done to to our restaurant industry and our communities, people are trying to leave more now. And um, I think it's really great if you if you have the extra cash, um, if it really can be something extra on top to to go that extra mile right now. So I would I would think of it as, you know, like leave leave a couple dollars. It's discretionary, but the more you can help, the better that usually is. Tracy, thank you so much for the short question, which we managed to turn into a little bit longer answer. This particular piece of money is just starting in circulation. What will happen to it? What will it be used for? What can money be used for? What is money, anyway? Our next question is about a frank farewell. Dear Lizzie and Dan, hello to you both. I love listening to your podcast and finding more and more ways that I can incorporate CRH into my daily interactions. I have a question for you concerning a very bad first impression. I was recently introduced to a new coworker who transferred to our department. When I met him at an after-hours get-together, it was not a good first interaction. During our 15-minute or so conversation, he made several jokes about my last name and its spelling, 
said a few culturally insensitive things about my heritage, and also just made rude remarks that weren't appropriate. I tried to politely steer the conversation elsewhere after each of these remarks, since it was my first conversation with him, but he kept sticking his foot in his mouth over and over again. At the end of the conversation, I said, it was nice to meet you, as a standard ending after first meeting someone. But Lizzie and Dan, I must tell you, it was not nice to meet him, nor was it a pleasure. I felt like I wasn't being honest with myself, to say it was a nice conversation, but I also didn't want to end the conversation by saying anything rude on my end. What would you suggest as a way to end a first introduction that was less than charming? All the best, Uncharmed. Uncharmed. I'm so sorry that you had this interaction, especially with with someone who's you know now going to be in your department and on on possibly a team with you. It's really really un- unfortunate and not okay that this kind of went the way that it did. Just to get directly to your question about what else we could have seen, and then I want to explore a bit more about this interaction. Dan, my first thoughts are things like. This is really true. This happens to people. We don't always have a good time meeting someone and we want to exit the conversation or we want to end the conversation or the conversation is ending. And we feel this politeness moment, this thing of like standard things we typically get to say at the end of a meeting with someone. But when Mm -hmm. they're not true, it really feels awkward. Um, It's not unlike when we receive a gift that really didn't feel good to get. And we're stuck and stymied on how do we how do we both complete the politeness of the interaction, but be real about what just went on here. That wasn't a pleasant gift. You know, this wasn't a pleasant interaction. And I think that that sometimes, especially with the with the work, I think you might have an opportunity to say some other things. And I might wait for that kind of like pause in the conversation that happens where you can feel like you could naturally end it and say, well, I will be seeing you around the office and, you know, I'm going to go get myself another drink or something like that. Now, I know that the I'm going to go get myself another drink or I'm going to go to the buffet or I'm going to go to the restroom, maybe not in this particular case, but usually are things that we say if you can avoid doing them as excuses for leaving, it's best because the other person might follow you like, oh, I'll come get a drink too. Oh, you know what? I have to use the restroom as well. Or, oh, that buffet does look good. I want to get it before they put it away, you know. Um, but I do think in this particular case, you know, that that looking for that break in conversation where you can then just simply excuse yourself. And it's really hard, right? It's like um, it reminds me of that Friends episode where Chandler can't help but say, I'll call you when he's talking and, and like kind of saying goodbye to women that he doesn't want to date again. He it like can't help but say, I'll call you. And I think sometimes we can't help but say, well, it was nice chatting with you or or something like that. But I think the fact that this person was a new person in your department, not technically a new employee, you could say something like, well, you know, wish you good luck at the job and I'll I'll be seeing you around the office and then just leave. But th- I think something like that, if you didn't want to go the, I'm going to go get another drink or go talk to that person or something like that. Ending conversations at parties can be awkward under good circumstances. Um, hmm. Dan, I was hoping you could speak to some of the bad circumstances that Uncharmed wound up in, in here and, and, and the times to kind of tackle them and, and the times where you might not sort of be feeling like you want to tackle these things. Absolutely. And I definitely want to add my sympathies as well. This is such a 
awkward and difficult situation. And I also want to second Lizzie's sentiment that I really think it's not okay. And I think it's worse than just rude because it's happening in a semi-professional context that this is a a social event, but it's a work-related social event. And this is a coworker. And that means that this relationship has a structure around it that is important for everybody to honor. And it's it's really nice, Lizzie Post, to start with some interpersonal options because that's the way a lot of people, I think, prefer to handle things like this. Okay. I really appreciate Uncharmed generosity of spirit saying – I think Uncharmed describes it as sticking his foot in his mouth as mm-hmm. if it's an, a, a mistake, an error that's embarrassing for them as well and that they, they might don't even have some awareness it. of that or, or unaware yeah. of it. Yeah. For all of those reasons, I think that it's good to have options on your plate that are de-escalating options that just try to move through that particular circumstance with as much integrity as possible and with as much consideration and respect for the person you're interacting with as possible, even if you're not feeling that from them. Mm-hmm. What I did want to say was that I also think something like this is serious enough that I would also want to take a couple other steps And I would want to document what was happening. I would want to record it quite specifically so that I have cues for my own memory about exactly what happened, the date, the time, the place, those sorts of things. If there and do you was, mean, you, yeah, you don't mean like record it with your cell phone when it starts happening no, or something no, like that. Okay, I mean, just double checking. Yeah, some notes for yourself. Um, talking to a a friend about it if there was a witness, maybe making a note about anybody else that might have heard the conversation. And it's not that you're building a case against someone, but information like that can be really important to have if it is necessary later on. And the other thought that I was having was that it can help clarify things in your own mind. Oftentimes when things like this happen, it can be very emotional and it can be a good exercise to return to it with as much clarity of thought as possible so that you really lock down for yourself factually what happened because that again it can be useful both for you emotionally and in in circumstances where you're accounting for things later on yeah the other piece of advice that i'd like to offer is to to figure out what your potential recourse is nobody has to work somewhere where they're made to feel uncomfortable out of place where frankly this is like a level of bullying too when you're making fun of someone's like cracking jokes about someone's last name Come on. Exactly. It's definitely outside of all acceptable standards for how people treat each other in the workplace. And you could go the route of saying this was a first encounter and I'm going to try to understand that this person might not have been at their best. And by the time we get to the office and we are in a more established situation, this kind of behavior won't happen again and I'll cut them a break. But that's it's not up to you to have to approach it that way either. You also yeah, have a generous approach yeah. to talk to a supervisor or a trusted coworker about what is the potential recourse that you could take if this behavior continues and you want to put a stop to it. Mm-hmm. And I would also say that your employer, whoever it is that that you both work for, my guess is that they want to know if this kind of thing is happening so that they can address it and put an end to it. It's not up to you to exercise discipline or be this other person's supervisor, Mm -hmm. but it is something that that person's supervisor, the person who's responsible for them, 
if I were that person, I'd want to know because I'd want to be able to address it. It would be really important to me that to be aware that this person's yeah behavior. I was responsible for had this kind of behavior happening within it because it's it's not good. It's not good for the work that's being done, and it's potentially a real problem for a business if it continues and it's not addressed. And that's a little bit why I wanted to say keep a record because um, both a record of things that happen and the record of the people that you talk to about it. There are things that can be done and it's your job, it's your profession, and it's important that that you feel safe and comfortable in that place. Mm -hmm. I think too that especially because this happened outside of work, I I think if I'm reading it right on Charmed, I hope I have this right. It's like a a work function, but after hours. And I don't I don't know if that means it was actually planned by work or if it was just a bunch of coworkers, you know, went out for beers after after work to welcome the new guy, you know. And that could be a very important distinction. It could be a very important distinction. And Dan, tell tell me if I'm wrong, but my instinct is also to give some agency and empowerment to the idea of correcting things in the moment or letting people know when when a joke isn't funny. Um mm-hmm. and if someone made fun of my name, for me, that would be a record scratch moment where I, I would probably, if I was feeling like tackling it, if I wasn't feeling spent from from a lot of microaggressions or something like that happening throughout the day, I might be more in a position to say, you know, I'm sorry, are you making fun of my name right now? That does not feel good. And exit the conversation right there. And just be very clear with someone that that's not going to be tolerated with you at all. And I think that even though you want to be welcoming to someone who's new on the team, you want to maybe give them the benefit of the doubt. They're just having a moment. Maybe they've had one drink too many. And I think those are all very gracious things to do. I also think it can be very helpful and important to simply tell someone, no, what you're saying to my face about me right now is not okay. And I think that it's, you know, you can even say something like, I really want to have a good relationship with you at work. And to do that, I should let you know, I really do not appreciate jokes about my name or my heritage. And that's something that I would appreciate you not doing at work. It's, it's, it's not going to fly with me. And I think that it's, it's important to feel like if you have it in you, if you feel like it's appropriate, that, that that's a step you can take. Lizzie, when I heard you do that sample script, I really liked the clarity of the boundary setting and also the allowance that it matters to me that we have a good relationship. So you should know that that is not okay with me. That makes me uncomfortable. And I think pairing those two things makes it much easier to hear and maybe hear as, okay, this is my new coworker. I am not going to go in that direction with them. They've let me know very clearly. I just got that wrong. (laughs) They told me that they care enough about this relationship that they want me to know that. And this is my job, too. So I'm probably going to do my best to honor it. I would hope both my fingers double crossed. And man, wouldn't it such a litmus test right there for which direction someone's going to go? You know, like whether they're going to pay attention and, and be respectful or whether, mm-hmm. you know, and this is a moment where they learned something, or are they going to be the person who then uses that to be defensive and, and, and like, you know, dig in I, I don't want to say like at war with you, but yeah, like dif- difficult with you because of it. Defensive is, is the best way I can think of it. And I don't like the idea of setting things up for that, but I also, I like less the idea of someone thinking it's okay to make fun of your name and your heritage on their first meeting with you. 
Uncharmed, this truly is a difficult question. And we wish you the best as you're negotiating this relationship with your new coworker and appreciate that you can turn to us for support as well as to consideration, respect, and honesty. When someone is making every effort to hurt our feelings, very few of us can take it. Even if you are never the teaser or never the one being teased, you will meet this problem. What would you do? Our next question is titled Sympathetic Sample Script. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I discovered your amazing podcast a couple of years ago and am a huge fan of the show. I look forward to the new drop every Monday and am loving making my way through the archives of old episodes little by little on every other day of the week. While I keep a little running list of questions for Dan and Lizzie on my phone as curious etiquette conundrums pop up in life, I recently had an experience that truly stumped me and I realized the time had come to actually write in. On the Monday after Thanksgiving, while I was texting with a friend, she shared that when she and her partner had returned home that day from their holiday trip out of town visiting family, they discovered their house had been broken into while they were away. I felt and still feel awful for them. Luckily, all of their valuables, as well as their two dogs, were safely in their possession when it happened. Furthermore, upon inventory, they were relieved to determine that nothing was taken nor too badly damaged in the break-in. Still, the whole ordeal was really unsettling for them. From the moment she told me, I had this strong urge to do something or bring her something, but I've been at a loss. The thing is, this friend is relatively new. If the same thing had happened to an old friend that I knew super well, I wouldn't have skipped a beat. I would have shown up on her doorstep immediately with wine, takeout, and a big hug, ready to spend the evening helping her clean up and sort through next steps. As someone who has experienced a lot of generic and unhelpful I'm here if you need anything at all, comments during difficult times. I know how impactful specificity and action can be when someone is feeling low. But without knowing this friend that well, I was stuck. I didn't want to intrude, overstep, or be a burden underfoot, adding to the stress she and her partner were already feeling. So the question is, what do you think would have been a kind and appropriate gesture to make in this situation? Maybe flowers? A nice card? Or is there perhaps just a simple heartfelt sample script for how you'd respond to receiving this kind of news in the future? Your biggest fan, Aaron. Smiley face. I am so sorry this happened to your new friends. And I'm also just thinking how nice you sound that this is <laughs> yeah. your natural impulse, that this is your reaction or response. <clears throat> and the the first thought I have is that I would go with my impulses the next time this happened. Mm-hmm. I, when I think about the specific things that you can offer, I think so many of them are very immediate. Things like you could offer to come help out, <laughs> help clean up, help spend time with them if they don't feel comfortable being alone there or something like that, that some of the the to-dos probably happened pretty quickly yeah. and maybe are have, have already happened at this point. I also like the way that you're aware that you have your own impulses, but this is a new friendship and you're mm-hmm. taking care with the boundaries because there is definitely something to wanting to help during hard times that can sometimes cross over into inserting yourself in someone's life at a time that can be very personal or difficult. And I think even just showing the awareness that you know something could overstep means it's likely you're not going to do that, that you've got your 
antenna out that you're sensing and feeling for what are the appropriate lines in this friendship and what levels of closeness have been established in terms of how you respect privacy and people's space. Having said that, I also love this idea of having your antenna out because I think that you watch your friend for cues. Is it something that she continues to talk about or that she brings up again? And if that is the case, that gives you the opportunities to make some of those offers. Is there anything I can do? I'd be willing to keep an eye, swing by your place when you're not there. And and the details of what those specific things are are going to be related to the way that she's talking about it, but that you take your cues from your new friend in this situation. And if it continues to be a thing for her, then it's something that you know you can lean into and offer your support in, in whatever ways work at the time that that comes up. Because I Lizzie, feel like do you have other some, thoughts here? I was going to say, I do. Of course, I. you know me. I've always got a thought. Um, I feel like uh, there are some things that you you can always do like you mentioned, Aaron, sending flowers, dropping off a note. I think those those are perfectly appropriate no matter what. It's funny. I was thinking about the whole takeout and the bottle of wine thing. We know not everybody drinks alcohol, so you kind of want to make sure that the person would be willing to accept a bottle of wine. I love the bottle of wine, though, as that like chill out, like, you know, de-stress a little bit factor. And you might achieve that with other things, you know, like, I don't know, lavender bath salts, like, you know, something, you know, something like that. But I'm interested at sort of the difference between what feels like an okay drop off and what feels like it might invite a little more. Like if I, I like I would be so, and I've, I've had the, the cookies show up on the doorstep or the little treaty show up on the doorstep. And that's always such a lovely thing. And and you don't reject it when it shows up because it just shows up, you know, and sometimes you don't even answer the door. It's like you step out later in the day and there's that plate of cookies sitting on your doorstep. But offering like to bring over takeout would often then require them to tell you what kind of takeout they would like or that would work for them or, you know, allergy, things like that, I feel like. And so not that the cookie thing can also bring up allergies, chocolate, nuts, that kind of stuff. Um, gluten, hello. But I feel like some of the at this stage of a friendship, like a new friendship where you want to both be there, but you don't know how to be too close, that some of those sort of less involved offers can be a lot easier. Like the offer to help clean up is is wonderful. And I actually think it is a really good one to make. Don't be surprised if that one gets turned down. But uh, the the offer of takeout, I could see being uh, like just it, it creates a little bit more of a conversation that then has to happen about the takeout and when it would arrive and that kind of thing. And I almost think it's easier to do some of these things in this particular friendship where you don't quite know how much they're willing to accept from you that are just the the little treats or the little littler acknowledgments. And that note that you leave with a littler acknowledgement could be something that says something more specific, like I would be happy to watch your house in the future. I would be happy to come and help you clean up if there's still cleanup to be done. I don't know how bad the damage was, whether it's just one broken window or people really went in and made a mess of things. And so, it, you know, you might you might vary that based on it, but you could put that offer for a specific, I'd love to come help you clean. Or maybe if the cleanup wasn't heavy, you could be like, I'd love to go for a walk if you'd like to. I know it can just be so stressful when something like this has happened. I, I think those kinds of things would be nice in the note. But again, the specific offers, you know, we're a big fan of them too. <laughs> Lizzie, I like the sample script of connecting the walk to, I know 
something like this can be so stressful because it's it, it, it connects something that you might be willing to do otherwise with an awareness of this thing that happened. And it, it in some ways gives them some option about how they're feeling about it. Yeah. Oh, that'd be so nice. I, I, I think about it every time I come home or, oh, it'd be great to take a walk. No mention about feeling stressful tells you that they're they're moving beyond it. Yeah. Probably, or or at least in this relationship, they are. Is there any risk? Do you think getting too specific later on, bringing up something bad that's happened? So, if the plate of cookies arrives and they've now moved on from this particular event, say, and and then there's a something that shows up that says, "I've been thinking about you ever since X, Y, or Z. Wanted to do a little something for you, or wanted to drop you off some cookies." Is there any downside to that? I don't think so. I mean, I think it will be seen as a goodwill gesture, no matter what. I think it would be a rare moment, kind of like when we say you run into someone like six months after somebody passed, and it's the first time you're getting a chance to actually see them. And maybe you haven't even written a sympathy note. And so you, you, you say, oh, my gosh, I was so sorry to hear about your father. And what I should say is I will never forget that question where the woman who said, you know, I was so sorry to hear about your family member who was deceased and the person just flipped out on her. Uh, you know, this was, I was finally not thinking about it and you brought it, you know, it's, it's a, a rare chance that that's what you're going to meet is the, the person who's really upset that you've brought it up again. And it, it is, it is the tiniest risk that we take, but it it is there. But I think that if we start living for that tiny risk, um, that we start losing a lot of the community support and connection that can happen, or even just a friend wishing you well, which is what's going on here. And so I think I'd, I'd put me in the camp of I'm still willing to advocate, you know, even if it's two weeks later, go for it. I, I think if you're starting to push like this happened, like, two and a half months ago or three, you know, like something like that two months ago. It's probably a little like they've they've moved on at this point. Likelihood is. And and not always, you know, PTSD trauma after after things that, that oh, are yeah. scary that yeah. happen is very real. And it can sometimes be surprising how long the effects last. But I think the type of situation that Aaron is describing, to me at least, sounds a little a little more closer. Even though I know we're talking – it happened at Thanksgiving. We're talking about it a month later now. I do think that in the future, I would try to do something a little closer to, to when it happened. But but probably within within a couple weeks to a month is a, is a good time frame I would think of. Beyond that, I might just check in with something. Hey, I know last month was really tough for you. Um, how are you guys doing since? Are things feeling okay? You know, that kind of thing might be welcome. That's really helpful for me to hear. Aaron, I hope that is also really helpful for you to hear. Thank you so much for the question, and we are sure that you will be an excellent support for your friend at this time. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just remember, use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show.
If you are enjoying Awesome Etiquette, please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com slash awesome etiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you truly help keep Awesome Etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you so much for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today we have feedback from David on two previous episodes. Greetings, Awesome Etiquette team. Happy upcoming holiday season to you and thanks for your wonderful podcast. A couple of recent segments inspired me to send along some feedback. First, Going back a few weeks, you gave great advice on how to be a good gift giver. One more thing to consider is the recipient's general station in life. For example, my wife and I are both close to traditional retirement age and have had a fortunate life. We don't really need things, but love handmade gifts, edible gifts, drinkable gifts, and donations to organizations that feed people or help animals. Generally, most folks I know of our age feel the same. At a younger age, things were great, but now, please help us downsize. Next, to the writer who heard a combination encouraging slash possibly demeaning comment when out on her run, I also don't have a traditional runner's body, plus I'm on the older side. People do at times make comments, try to high-five or smile broadly as I run. I know older, bigger people who run too. However, as I mentioned to a friend who questioned the sincerity of Facebook birthday wishes, I'm delighted when anyone says something kind to me. It sure beats the alternative. I understand the sensitivity of hidden meanings, but I recommend taking a nice, even if inappropriate comment as just that, a positive thought. I hope you all, plus the wonderful listening community, have the best possible remainder of 2021 and a healthy, happy new year. Best, David. Adopt, please don't shop. <laughs> David, thank you so much for this feedback. It's a feedback that almost feels salute to me and that it put a smile on my face. I, I just love I your acceptance of positivity in the world. It is so encouraging. Thank you for this feedback. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to talk about thank you notes. <laughs> it's like an i feel like this is our annual thank you note show is the biannual, week between christmas triannual. and new year's yeah 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 but i also i was sitting here thinking like oh man maybe maybe next year we should switch things up and do like toasts or something very new year's <laughs> you know what i mean we'll have to squeeze that in next year absolutely but this year we are all about the thank you notes and our very 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 first piece of advice is in big, bold capital letters with a million exclamation points after it. And it is, send them, send thank you notes, write them, send them, get them out. Yes, yes, yes to thank you notes. Our great-great-grandmother got questions about people that don't write thank you notes. Our great-grandfather 
helping her probably got questions about grandkids that don't write thank you notes. I know our grandmother got questions about grandkids that don't write thank you notes. I know our parents got those same questions, and I know that <laughs> we will continue to get them. And hopefully when we hand this tradition off to Generation 6, they will continue to get them. This is an eternally important question. It's generationally significant. The act of thanking is so, so, so important in relationships and the tradition of sending thank you notes, particularly for gifts that you haven't had a chance to thank people for in person, is very firmly established. And there are great rewards to be reaped by participating in it. People will appreciate it. Absolutely. In fact, I think in all of our years, we've only had one person write in saying, man, I wish people wouldn't send me thank you notes. <laughs> so I'd say it's pretty pretty good odds that it's going to be well received. It is true that if you've opened a gift in front of others and thanked them well for it, you likely don't need to send a thank you note. However, there are some times when it's good to do so anyway. And number one on that list for me is if you feel like it. If uh, you really loved this gift and have been so grateful for it that you just you you want to say thank you again, um, I think you know breaking out that pen in your stationery or a really cute <clears throat> Emily Post Garden Collection card from the Issa Salazar website <laughs> would be really great 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 reason to to put pen to paper, write your gratitude, express your gratitude, and get it in the mail to the person that you are so appreciating in this moment. I think another time. Dan, when it's actually really worth considering writing a thank you note is when you know the other person appreciates it or even expects it. Um, I know that Ding, we got ding, to, ding. Yeah. We got to open our, our our gifts from our grandparents from Mud and Poppy in front of them because we did that big post-family Christmas together growing up. And it was really, really wonderful. But I know, I can remember because I believe my spelling mistakes were pointed out, like writing thank you notes to Mud and Poppy for those gifts and still saying thank you to them, even though we had thanked them in person. And in that case, I think it was probably more about my mom taking the opportunity to encourage us to do it and get the practice in. But I know that our grandparents appreciated it, especially because they wrote books about them being a good idea. But the, the other time where I think that even if you've kind of thanked someone in person, Person. Sometimes your thank you in person, maybe you were really tired, maybe there was something distracting going on at the family gathering when you were opening the gift and you don't feel like you thanked someone really well for their gift, that the in-person, you know, and, and sometimes this isn't because anything's bad. It's just a big distracting party is going on and you didn't feel like you really got to connect and say thank you. Grabbing that pen and paper and, and writing it down and, and sending it out to the person is a fabulous, fabulous thing to do. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I, I have, an, oh, oh, I have a, an expansion on that <laughs> thought too. Um, there's another situation that I think comes up that is just awesome when it does which is someone gives you a gift and mm -hmm. you say, oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. So thoughtful X, Y, Z, whatever it is. You take the gift home, you start using it and you realize just how awesome it is. Or there's a something about it, a quality that surprises you. Essentially, you end up with something to thank for that you didn't thank for in person or um, you're more thankful or more grateful. As time goes on, and I love the idea of adding on to that in-person thanks by following up with a thank you that includes all those other great details about a gift that, that grows on you over time for some reason. Totally. Okay, so these are the situations that you would send the yep. note. What does the note look like? Let's talk sample scripts. 
Okay, we we have put to bed our debate between the two of us as whether it's a three-sentence or a five-sentence note. And technically, it can be even longer than three to five sentences if you want. But we think three is probably the minimum unless unless it's just a one-sentence thank you for the sweater. Um, But we think you could do a little better than that if you're taking the time to write the note. But our sample note this year, you know, you would address the person you're writing to. I think it's great to give some kind of a, a start sentence that's a connection to them, you can start right away with the thank you. Either would be okay. But then go into the thank you, really thank the person for the item, maybe say something specific about it or how you intend to use it. And then move on to uh, wishing them well or wishing that you hope to see them soon in the new year, that sort of thing. If you want, you can add another thank you before you sign off or sometimes you're sign off because this is a thank you note and not an email where you're asking someone to do something can mm-hmm. include another thanks. Like you might sign it many thanks again or you might put that as a last sentence and then then write like a love Lizzie or something like that. But our, our sample note, do you want to read our sample note for this year, Dan? <clears throat> Dear Aunt Alice, it was so great to see you on Zoom at Christmas this year. I can't wait until I see you again in person. Thank you so much for my new sweater. The color is spectacular and I really wanted something new to spice up my wardrobe. I hope you and Uncle Carl are enjoying winter up north and can get lots of skiing in this year. Thank you again. Much love, Alyssa. Okay. Now, with all that said, Dan, what is the final most important part about the thank you note? Drum roll, please. Send it. <laughs> the most important part about the thank you note is that it reaches the person, that it's not an idea in your mind. It's not a half-written note sitting on your desk. It's not even tucked in an envelope while you're looking for an address and then gets lost. It gets a stamp on it. It goes in the mail and it arrives. The person who is intended to receive it gets it. And that's the moment where the magic really happens, where your inspiration becomes someone else's good day. I love it. I just love it. It makes me feel so warm and fuzzy. And for those of you who are sitting there saying, but my friends and I love doing text messages or we love doing videos. It is perfectly okay if you've established with someone a digital means of communication for your thank yous to have that be it. I love nothing more than when my best friend who lives in Louisiana and is a very busy ICU nurse at a, at a veterans hospital down there is able to take the time. And I, I do not at all begrudge her when she doesn't, but I love getting the pictures of my goddaughters with their um with their gifts or or my godson i think i i call them all my godchildren they are not officially my godchildren <laughs> um, <laughs> but whenever i get to see the picture of them with the gift or even just a picture of them from the day um it it just warms my heart and feels so great and i would unless she's trying to teach that moment of thank you notes to them um i have no problem not receiving the note so if you have something like that set up with someone that's great but if you don't or you know they really appreciate the note or you just feel so inspired that you want to write the note the thank you note still just reigns supreme as a wonderful gesture so as this holiday season winds down comes to a close don't forget to draw it out attenuate it just a little bit let's see if we can continue to keep those good feelings alive into the new year now uh, what are you going to say well i want to say thank you and I want to say it in a way that will please Aunt Helen and Uncle Ross. What would you say if you were there, in person? Why, this is going to be easy. 
I'll have a letter done in no time. And I'll start on the letter to Jimmy and Alice. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we have a lovely salute from Sophia. Hello. I'm a big fan of the podcast and wanted to contribute a salute. I recently stopped at a mobile COVID testing van on a chilly day on the upper west side of Manhattan. The man ahead of me gave his information to the woman checking people in and then asked her if she would like a cup of coffee to keep her warm. I fully expected her to say, no, I'm fine, thank you, though. Instead, however, she accepted his offer, and without a second thought, he went around the corner to buy her said cup of coffee. It's easy to feel that we are being polite in turning down offers of service or kindness, lest we be a burden. Observing this interaction was an excellent reminder that true etiquette is not performative. It is not done to show off and say, look how polite I am, but rather out of genuine care for others. So, two thumbs up to the man who generously offered a cup of coffee on a cold day, and to the woman who graciously accepted it, and together reminded me what etiquette is all about. Sincerely, Sophia. Sophia, I want to thank you for sending in this salute, and I want to thank the the gentleman who made the offer and the lovely lady who accepted and said yes for giving us this wonderful example. I think this is, Dan, the most perfect salute to send us into 2022. I know it's a year that, oh gosh, I don't want to get all teared up, but I know it's a year that Dan and I are really looking forward to because it's the 100th anniversary of Emily Post Etiquette. And so we cannot wait for 2022 to get started and to be in this year of celebration with our family, with our brand, with all of you, our wonderful audience. And this idea of just beautiful acts of politeness that are not performative, but they are just simply to connect, to make people's day better, to be aware of the people around us, how they're experiencing the world and our impact on them is just such the perfect salute to head us into the new year. Sophia, thank you so much for your salute. I couldn't agree more. A great big happy new year to everyone. And here's to looking forward to what the next year can bring and to filling it up with kindness. Thank you so much, Sophia, for this salute. Thank you, our audience, for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something and everyone who supports us on Patreon. Please connect with us and share this show with whomever you can, in whichever ways you can. We want to spread the word that Awesome Etiquette is an awesome podcast. You can send us your next question, feedback, or salute by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a message or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member of the podcast by visiting patreon.com slash awesomeetiquette. Our memberships start at just $1 per month. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show's ranking, which helps more people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. And Bridget.